So we'll continue this afternoon developing the Brahmavihara of Mudita, sympathetic or empathetic joy. And this, as you may have had a taste of yesterday, can be a very exhilarating practice and one that's um, really necessary for us to develop and understand and know how to incline the mind and heart towards and an important part of the map of the Brahmaviharas. The metta is the, the foundation practice of just this simple kindness and connection, goodwill, compassion that opens to suffering and really feels that tenderness of heart. And then the mudita is necessary as a balance to that. So for those of you who, for whom it's a new practice, I hope it's been interesting for you to explore this possibility and really to see it as essential, both for our own well-being, but also in this balancing that can happen, this sort of integration that, that as we explore this map, this territory of the Brahmaviharas. And then, of course, the last uh, Brahmavihara of equanimity that we'll do in the last few days of the retreat just also, they're all important, they're all necessary. None of them could be left out of this map. The upekka, the equanimity necessary for the balance of mind and heart that allows us to stay present as we go through these ranges of emotions and responses that is the, the map of the Brahmaviharas. I'm sure the other teachers have talked about the near and far enemies of these this practice the near enemy being um, a quality we translate as exuberance. And again, maybe you felt that a little yesterday. You can get kind of excited and a lot of energy in doing this practice. Just to recognize that having energy is not what we're talking about with this word exuberance. It's fine to have energy. This practice can bring a lot of energy I can remember doing uh, mudita practice intensively and kind of feeling like I wanted to just skip around the the retreat center. There was just such a sense of lightness and buoyancy. So that, you know, energy isn't a problem and and having, you know, a a real abundance of a feeling of well-being and joy. This is not the near enemy. The near enemy, this term exuberance, is pointing to... um, thinking. It's an identification with the experience, claiming it, and also particularly a lot of future thinking. Oh, this is so great. I want more. And how can I get and wait till I tell people? And, you know, I want to do this and do that. You know, that kind of tumbling forward that can come with that kind of energy. So that's what the near enemy of Mudita is. It's not just feeling energy. It's this tumbling forward into thinking, into being lost and identified and trying to claim the experience. So that's what we need to pay attention to. And like all of the Brahma Viharas, we want to have them grounded in the body, a sense of connection and integration, not that we're you know, rising up or tipping forward into that exuberant mode, but actually it's very centered in a way. Um, oh, there was something else I was going to say about that. Gone. So we want to keep them centered in the body. 
oh, I think this is what it was. And to know that for each of the Brahma-viharas, there's a range um, of responses within that territory. Just like in the metta, it can go from the just the simplest, most almost barest sense of goodwill, especially, say, if we're doing it for our difficult person. That's still metta. It's just willingness to honor the other person's wish for happiness to a deep and heartfelt sense of unconditional love. So that whole range. And the same with mudita. Mudita doesn't always have to be some extreme emotion. It can just be this willingness to open to and delight in someone else's happiness, even if it doesn't have a big impact on us. So again, to know we can explore this whole range and it's still all mudita. And especially because traditionally, if we're going through the categories, today is the day we would do the neutral person and the difficult person. Well, understandably, for both of those, it's perhaps a little challenging to really get ramped up and excited about their happiness. Like the neutral person, we don't know really what that is, and the difficult person, it can be challenging. It's one thing to wish them well, but another thing to really um, encourage ourselves to take delight in their good fortune. And really to remember, especially with the difficult person, it's not this bargaining kind of mudita that, you know, I'll delight in your good, good fortune as long as it's a kind of good fortune that I approve of and not the one that you seem to like. There has to be this willingness to be open to what it is that moves this person within the realm of ethical conduct and sila. So it's certainly not implying that we should rejoice in people's actions that you know cause harm. So it's not about approving or condoning that, but just being open to, you know, whatever it is that we can intuit that this person might enjoy. And sometimes it's just the simple, you know, we don't, if it's someone we don't know that well, it's more just the generic kinds of joy. You know, we don't have to have a certain thing that we're celebrating. And then, of course, the far enemy of mudita being envy, this sense that happiness is like a pie and the biggest slice someone else has, the smaller slice there is for me. And it's amazing how as much as we know that's not true, I mean, we know that's not true, right? That scarcity mentality just comes up unbidden. And, you know, especially for the dear friend or the benefactor, you know you wish this person well. Can you remember the person I chose, you know, she's, she's a dear friend. I love her. She's very sweet and warm and she's got a great husband and she'd had a child and they had a nice home and she's very creative. And I was just really, you know, enjoying that. But after a while, it was like everything. Does she have to have everything? <laughs> You know, just that sense of, uh, un, you know, we think it's unfair that someone, you know, is enjoying their life. And it was really interesting to see, even about that person who I really cared about. Again, this scarcity mentality, or, or that somehow it reflects on me and what, you know, what I think I don't have. So it, it, just to be really willing to have that come up. I haven't known one person yet who's done mudita practice that that movement of mind hasn't come up to greater or lesser 
extent. And again, as we talk about these as purification practices, that is the practice working. We get to see the ways our hearts and minds hold on to limitation. We have a perception of limitation and then we build our world or our relationships about that. Instead of understanding the real truth of things is that happiness is infinite. And all we're doing is magnifying or tapping into the happiness stream or river and there's no, it's boundless. And the more that we open to it, the more that we can experience it, the more we share it with others, the more there actually is to go around. So really helpful as we do this practice just to have those contemplations. And, and as I said, the willingness or the radar just to notice when, when we contract in whatever way we do. As I say, I, I know it happened for me and I was really kind of surprised because I didn't think of myself you know, as a very envious person, but it was really instructive to to tune into that. And just in the recognition, it's not that we judge ourselves. This is a tendency of mind. It just arises. We didn't choose it or ask for it. But we can work with it skillfully. And again, seeing it as mindfulness does, again and again, offering us these choice points. Do I want to go into a sense of limitation, scarcity, separation? Or do I choose happiness? joy, celebration, and to see that that is actually the antidote for the sense of scarcity. That if I can move in that direction, it becomes limitless. It becomes much more of an open field. So, as I said today, traditionally we would be doing the neutral person and the difficult person. Just as I said the other day when I did, I think that maybe even the same groups in Compassion I always get the difficult person for some reason. Um, really feel what works for you. It's instructive to do this a little bit, work with the neutral person, and again, use your imagination to imagine what might bring them happiness. It can be very generic, the sun on their face, being out in nature, you know, being with friends and family that they like, being creative, you know, we, we can make up little kind of vignettes for them. Just have a sense of what a human being likes to do. You know, we can just have a sense, even though there is often very specific things, there are some things that most of us tend to enjoy. And then for the difficult person, it's just another deepening of our capacity to have an open heart and not have a sense of someone held out. So tuning into them, seeing what feels right for you, again, not having to force this if it doesn't feel something that you're ready to, even if you can just say a few phrases for them, even if you can just connect in with them for a few moments, that's actually an opening of this doorway of a heart that doesn't have so much a sense of limitation. So I will let you navigate that terrain. I'll give a few pointers here and there, but you can choose, you know, you want to spend spend more time with yourself, which is really the practice of gratitude, um, benefactor friend, or perhaps a neutral or difficult person. Just using these simple phrases that you've been introduced to, you know, the traditional one, um, may your happiness and good fortune continue, may it increase and never wane. Um, I rejoice in your happiness. I'm happy that you're happy. May your happiness continue. I delight in your well-being. 
in your good fortune. Usually just one or two phrases to really point to this sense of, of, of sharing in the joy. Keeping it fairly simple, seeing if you can stay grounded in the body. Again, using the breath is really helpful so it doesn't rise up and in a lot of energy. So a lot of openness and receptivity and deep breaths at times to just come back and be fully present. Taking always some time to connect with this person, visual sense, felt sense, their name, perhaps an image of them doing something you know brings them happiness for yourself, that same reflection. So you really get familiarity with this way of moving into the Brahma-viharas and how to have them come alive for you. So let's begin formally practicing. Again, sitting comfortably, moving your posture if you need to. And taking a moment just to check in with yourself. What may, what might be the response that was there, that's there from just hearing these words. Maybe that brought some lightness or openness into your heart. Maybe there's already a sense of some happiness or joy. And maybe there isn't. Maybe it's neutral or even some sadness, loneliness, contraction. These practices aren't about making something happen, but providing a map to explore what is happening for us. And then to incline the mind and heart in these positive directions, in this case of of joy. So starting the practice with someone for whom it's easy for you to feel the sense of sharing in their joy. Could be the happy person that you chose, your benefactor or friend, or maybe it's yourself. Just choosing one person, tuning in to them, all the ways you do that. Not getting lost in story, having to have a whole commentary about this person can be quite immediate. You bring them in, you sit them down next to you or in front of you or literally right in your heart. You say their name. Perhaps you see their eyes sparkling back at you. They're smiling at you smiling. You said that sort of contagiousness of happiness and tuning into what it is you know is going well for this person, or perhaps for you, and then beginning to celebrate that. May your happiness and good fortune continue. May it grow and never wane. May your happiness continue and deepen. I'm happy that you're happy. I delight in your good fortune. May it grow. Just choosing one or two phrases, holding this person or yourself in your heart, in your visual field, really helps if they're smiling, actually, and you smile back at them. 
and just share in this happiness with them. Different images or memories may come. Using them to support the practice, not having to go into a lot of commentary. So there is a practice here of the steadiness of the phrases. Really helpful to just ground and integrate this sense of well-wishing and joy.
And now if you feel ready, you could turn to the neutral person for a while, seeing if you can connect with them with this feeling of sharing, of joy. For as long as they can feel some resonance, if it gets too difficult, dries up, can go back to someone easier. It's just an experiment to see the capacity of the heart to open in this way. It can just be interesting to bring this person to mind, the same person you've used in the other practices, and acknowledge that as a human being, there's all sorts of things that they've enjoyed being successful at. Just taking a moment, taking some time to bring them into your practice. And then at some point after that, see if you want to include the difficult person. If you feel ready, if that feels right, Again, not choosing the most difficult person in your life. But they often say that the way to heal a rift with someone is to offer a gift. It can be really a way of letting go of anger and of hurt. And in a way, this is a gift, a gift of joy, of opening your heart in this way to this person. So just taking your time, including both of these as feels right, doing one, and then if you feel helpful, go back to someone easier, and then do the difficult person, go back to someone easier. We're just taking the rest of the meditation period to explore this realm with these different categories of beings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.